Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the NSPS podcast. I am your host, Tim Birch, and this is episode 153. Uh, We are recording in the last week of December. So this will be a 2022 in review, and we'll also look ahead to some things to expect in 2023. We'll catch that up in a little bit, but we wanted to play some of our favorite clips, well, my favorite clips from the, the this past year, and then also share on some of the things that are happening uh, that uh, over this past year that have been, uh, you know, obviously it's been uh, it's been a little bit of a, a, a season of change. I'm wrapping up my first year as the executive director of NSPS. Uh, following in the footsteps of uh, Mr. Kurt Sumner, and uh, it's been a great transition. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of uh, a lot of travel, a lot of excitement, meeting new people, and and getting reacquainted with some of the uh, other like-minded organizations out there, both domestic and around the world, which has been uh, been real, like I said, really exciting. Uh, there is a lot of momentum, I think, in the in the surveying and geospatial profession. So reacquainting uh, NSPS with a lot of those organizations has been been uh, been very fulfilling. Uh, but I guess the biggest news I, I would say for for us is the fact that we've moved our office after 10 plus years in the in the spot we were in. We had an opportunity to move our office. We st- we still stayed in the same town of uh, the city of Frederick, Maryland, but we've moved to a, a, a new, um, more industrial vibe spot, uh, new build out suite. Uh, it's going to be better suited for NSPS going forward with more staff space, uh, more capability with uh, recordings and things. So uh, looking forward to really uh, putting getting that put together after the first of the year and and making some things shine there at uh, 21 Bike Court is the, is the uh, address of the new place. And it's really kind of cool. So if you're ever in the Frederick, uh, Maryland area and uh, have a chance, stop by and see us because, uh, like I said, we're really proud of what uh, what we're putting together there. And uh, never hurts to have a, a, a visitor to now and then. What we're going to share with you today is, uh, like I said, some of my favorite clips from the year. Um, and I, these really stood out to me for various reasons. Uh, a, because I think they were very positive messages, very uh, outstanding uh, ideas, thoughts, concepts uh, that, that were, were shared with, uh, with me during some, some conversations. And then also to catch you up, uh, the last one we'll catch you up on uh, is, is the whole uh, hullabaloo that's still going on with the Davis-Bacon Act. And uh, there'll be some uh, a section of that podcast are recording with from uh, uh, with John Palatiello uh, earlier in the year talking about how important that is to the profession uh, and making sure that the Department of Labor understands what what surveying uh, is and is not. So, but the first couple that are were really stood out to me because they were a couple of fascinating uh, young ladies that I that I met uh, through the travels throughout the year. Uh, first one up is 
Claire Buxton. She's a young surveyor uh, originally from New Zealand, now uh, practicing in in Canada. Claire is a fantastic uh, young surveyor that's been very involved in the uh, FIG Young Surveying Network for many years and has, has been a quite a driving force there. Next one was going to be Melissa Seitzinger. I met her in Florida, and she's a business development manager uh, for a firm in, in Florida and really has a great message about selling surveying to the, not just the public but for to fellow professionals and really has some very insightful ways that the profession needs to look at some things. Next one up was Vincent Campanella, was uh, a young man that I met in New Jersey, student in New Jersey, uh, really had a, some great insight on what the profession needs to do to really reach out and find, find that message, find that voice to be able to pass on to that next generation um, at all levels, at whether it's high school, whether it's community college, what have you. Then last up uh, is uh, Ramon Labrador. He is the deputy surveyor for the District of Columbia, uh, originally from Puerto Rico. Uh, he is a fantastic young man uh, with a bright future, not in just, uh, the, just the profession itself, but within the various organizations that he's taking part in. And he's going to help us out with some things uh, going forward um, because because of his background and because of, of being able to, to reach that message. Take a listen to his clip and you'll see why I think that uh, his his personality and his uh, his enthusiasm is really, really infectious. So we'll we'll uh, we'll let you dig into that one a little bit. Like I said, then the last one is John Palatiello uh, with the Davis Bacon. Once we get wrapped up with that, um, We'll come, I'll come back to you with some things for about 2023. we got a lot of things to look forward to in 2023. So first, let's start with Claire and the rest of the group, and we'll catch you back up at the end with uh, what's going on in 2023. One of the things I presented on this week was on how we as the VCSP team have communicated to try to incre increase equity, belonging and inclusion. Um, and as part of that, I did a bit of research from, I don't know if you've heard of Catalyst? Yes. You have? Yes. So they did some research in April this year on um, internationally 1,100 companies, not in surveying, but generally. Generally, yes. Of management and women in management. And... The statistics are something like there's 37% of women in management, then it goes down to 29% in senior management and 23 in executive management. Right. So you see a clear drop-off between management and senior management. And we've known about this drop-off for a long time. It's just, it's, and it's improving, but um, it's, it's still not going to be quick enough. I think the stat was that it's going to take 100 years for us to, to make... Um, in, uh, equal the right. pay gap come come together, so yeah, having women like uh, Diane Dumashi in, in a leadership position is great for that role model um, that she will bring to many young surveyors, young female surveyors, uh, young surveyors of ethnic backgrounds that are non-white, right. and uh, I'm really excited to be part of the growth that's happening in this space. So. Oh, it is. It's definitely, uh, it's going to make for more exciting times um, because I think it, it brings uh, a little more 
a, a little more emphasis, a little more uh, enthusiasm and encouragement. Um, you know, and that's that's one thing that uh, that excites me, and one reason I like talking to to to, to young women like you, like Narell, like uh, the Anna Rios and the mm-hmm. Sarah Walkers and and others around the, around the world. That uh, it's it's just hoping that 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 young uh, woman student hears this yeah. and says, wow, I hear what Claire, Claire has accomplished. It is possible for me to do these things or mm. what Norell has accomplished. And it's, it is possible for me to do these things because, you know, and unfortunately we, you know, a lot of kids grow up these days that they're told they can be, can do anything mm. well until they try to do it. And then <laughs> there are barriers. Well, can and I touch on that? So, yes, please. So uh, earlier you called me a trailblazer and that's a very big term to use. It's not the trail that I've burnt. Someone else has burnt that for right. me. So I'm following in the footsteps of some giants. Um, but when I entered surveying, I came to it through an open day at Otago University. John Hanna was the dean at the time. And he said that there's not enough representation of women in surveying. And that was really something that got me into surveying. And I was brought up to believe that the world is my oyster I can do whatever I want. I'm one of those kids. Right. Um, thanks, Mum and Dad. Uh, and that has been true. I have been able to do um, what I wanted. I have, but I have to acknowledge that I've got a level of privilege, and I'm already at a certain point that I can springboard from. So, right. um, one thing I want to make sure of is that I'm bringing those that have less privilege to step up from uh, with me. Right. Crafting this message for, mm. for you to go mm-hmm. into uh, mm-hmm. a, a group of realtors, into a yeah. group of non-surveyors, mm-hmm. what are some tips and tricks on really, how do you get that point across? And really, what, what, how do you sell what a surveyor is to, to a, a non-survey believer? You're writing a proposal. You're writing a proposal. This is a job, right? You're writing a scope. So if I'm going to talk to realtors, I have to know what it is they're going to use my product for. And as a group, we do this all the time, right? We yes. present on the shiny geospatial and the drone and the thing and the whatever, blah, and the LIDAR, and the, we all have Regal, we all have like whatever yeah. it is. And everyone in the room is just drooling because they're under 30 and drones are exciting. And then you get into writing the actual proposal with the senior project manager and you go yeah that doesn't actually need any of that shiny stuff we need to be over here right your deliverable dictates your scope it's the same thing understanding what the realtors are going to use it for and all they need to know is that this piece of paper represents legally what they are transferring to the owner which is all we do is ownership true right they don't need an hour presentation. They're realtors, they have an attention span of about 12 minutes. <laughs> right? Yes, yes. And if you give them drinks, you get 40. Yes. So my presentation is literally, depending on how far down a rabbit hole I go or what the audience is into, is about 15 minutes. Sure. 12 to 15 minutes, that's all I get. 
But what I've done is the only piece of survey that they care about is their lot survey. So I pulled out one of the most atrocious lot surveys I've ever seen in my life, right? And it's in my presentation. The presentation is three slides. Good. Right? Here's your checklist, $300. Now let me explain to you, for $300, right? And we all know doctors and lawyers make $150, $200 an hour these days. This pretty picture took a Rodman, an Iman, crew chief, party chief, a CAD technician at least, mm -hmm. and, and a surveyor. And, All of these things. And, and the sur a surveyor. Right. Right. It also included, and I usually pull up the entire statute and put it right next to it. Right. So that's my second one. Okay. This tiny, what you call tiny and easy sketch. Right. Started here. Half the time I'll say, and that doesn't include deed research. That doesn't include digging up a plat, which they all understand what plats are. Right. Right? Yes. Oh, it's a platted subdivision, so we just need a lot and block. Uh, no. No. Not always. It still nice. needs to be, even at the basic level, it still needs to be verified, blah, 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 blah. And I have at the bottom dollars per hour. And they're real, right? That's real. They're real dollars per hour. How many hours and how many minutes it takes for each task. To really do those to tasks. To actually do a lot survey. And I'm at $2,800. Yeah. They, every single one of them, oh, wow, right. They just don't know. They don't know. They don't know. So for an engineering group, though, it's the same thing. You, you know your audience. For an engineering group, I'll usually do, if it's a small firm, you can touch on, you can touch on drones, you can touch on literally anything. Um, if it's civil, um, you know, pull out a small Taco Bell site. Right? Which right. looks easy. Looks easy. And they're going to design on top of it. Right? And build in all of the work. Say that the parcel's been passed down from so-and-so to such-and-such, -and, -such and it was, you know, it's now 100 years in the same family and the deed's from God knows when, you know, 1870-whatever, and I have to actually go physically to the courthouse and get it, which is not in my town, mm -hmm. right? Which is some other county. Right. Only they're closed on Tuesdays at 3 for some reason. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, it, but yeah, it really, I do approach it just like if it was an RFQ. It's a request for qualification, understand what they're looking for, and back into it. Make it simple, make it clear, make it short. I like that. Make it short. That's good. Right? Because these are, the realtors not so much. You make it short for them, like I said. They, they, they're not paying attention half the time. But for an engineering group, like a lunch and learn, they have so many of those. And it's not for CEUs, they're not getting anything out of it, they're munching on their Jimmy Johns and they're not paying attention. Pick a subject. Is it SUE and survey? Is it boundary work and survey? Is it, and I don't like geospatial as a topic because it covers entirely too, too broad. much. too broad. It's too much, right? A specific thing. What do I do with micro drones versus drones right the larger drones that have a 55 pound payload that are as long as the table mm -hmm. oh that's how big and that usually gets their attention because when you say drone they're talking about something that's you know something they have at home it's the it's yeah. the one they have at home and that's not sometimes it's what we use but not often i mean even the micro drones are pretty good size pretty, yeah. yeah i mean you have to carry a scanner and they're not light mm -hmm. they're getting better they're getting lighter 
right? Um, so that's that's my th that's my thought process is start with the deliverable. It's what we do all the, all day long. Don't make it harder than it has to be. What do you think we can do to, to make the, the high school you aware of what we do now? Yeah. Maybe, to maybe, maybe give you that opportunity, that, that little window into, <laughs> into a future you. Yeah. I think, um, I think as surveyors, our, the evidence of our work classically is largely invisible. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Yes. Um, monumentation and things like that are kind of, pins are meant to be hidden. But I will say what I'm doing with... Uh, NJS PLS on campus is that we're trying to get architecture students and mechanical engineering students in a room, let them know, hey, this is a laser scanner. Scan a room, maybe a pretty complex room. We have a model of this that we can sell you. Right. So here's the service that we do. Get in front of, you know, maybe some law students. NJIT doesn't have a law program, but regardless, and let them know, hey, here is case law that surveyors have had a tremendous say in we arbitrate these disputes right and these are things that we are professionals in right and you know all of these different things uh, getting getting bringing these things i think community colleges and high schools i have a um i i did the whole community college thing i highly recommend it um it allowed me to transfer into njit and right. um i i am in contact with a um community college professor right now, letting him know, like, hey, you know, we want to speak, me and Dr. Potts, our advisor, want right. to speak at, at our community college, former community college, about what we are, what our department is, and all of these things, because... What a geospatial career is. Yeah, and because they're already doing so many things that are almost in lockstep with what we do, in terms right. of, of, they have a, a very strong... Uh, mech tech, mechanical engineering right. technology, where you know they're measuring very small things at a super high precision level, and that's kind of the advertising right. model. Well, we measure very big things at a very high precision, you know. So sure, and sure. and it's it's a lot more than that. But I think getting in front of uh, any students who um, maybe don't know what they want to do, or um, you know, at my community college, the classic case was. Bright kids who were really good at math, but just didn't necessarily see an avenue for themselves behind a desk. Right. You know, I don't think there's a better uh, occupation, a better career profession to get into than geospatial. Good. You know. Advice for future surveyors? Oh man, um, yeah. I'll say if they're already in the industry, just believe in yourself. Stay involved in your societies, man. Look out for the chapters, for the societies, um, especially that young surveyors uh, chapter. I mean, it's really good. Just stay connected. Stay connected and uh, believe in yourself and, and and recognize that that. This will take time, but this this can be a real experience. It can be a real profession. Um, also, 
something that I would say that uh, I wish somebody had told me is like, uh, we need to read more, you know? We need to read more a little bit about where we are, the history of where we are working, what we're doing, why we're doing it, and just get involved. Just get involved with the society. So I think that's key. Once you get involved, everything flows. And I think that's that would be my, my first advice. If you're not attached to a chapter or a society, please do. You're going to love it. You're not going to regret it. Very good. Well, and I asked, I asked this of uh, most of my guests. How does the future surveying look to you? I think it looks incredible. I know it's hard to see it right now, but I think it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be even more attractive. Who knows if we're gonna be surveying in space? So yeah. this is this is this is so much we can do these days. I mean, there's so many cool tools outside um, that we can enjoy, and 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 I think this is gonna just start creating more different jobs that we don't even know. Um, different different skills that you're gonna need to be using the hydros. I mean, the scanning, the, the drones, and everything is just evolving. So, um, I think it's good the the fears that we have today because those fears are gonna make us like push. But I I I, I I'm a true believer that we're gonna we're gonna be able to succeed and have a monster. Oh, I think monster so. profession. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think so too. a little bit of background on davis bacon and where it all came from and then we can get into where the department of labor is going uh with with these new proposed rules that we're talking about and then kind of spreading like wildfire well thanks tim john palatiello here it's my pleasure to to be the government affairs uh, consultant and advisor to nsps of course john bird jb of our team is our registered lobbyist and uh it's, uh, it's an honor for us to be working with NSPS. You ask a very good question, Tim, to get things started. Let me, let me put the Davis-Bacon Act in a historic context, and then we can talk about how it affects surveying and then how we find ourselves having this issue on the front burner once again. Um, ironically enough, if you're a student of politics, Davis and Bacon were Republican congressmen uh, from the Northeast of the United States. And during the Depression, what they were finding was that um, construction companies from the South that primarily had African-American workers on their staffs were low bidding construction contracts for federally funded projects in the Northeast and winning those contracts because in the view of Congressman Davis and Congressman Bacon, they were paying substandard below market wages to those African-American workers. So in order to prevent those Southern firms with black or African-American workers from winning these contracts, they put forward legislation. This is during the Depression, 1932. Um, put forward legislation that said the local prevailing wage for the area where the construction project is to take place must be paid to all laborers and mechanics 
working on that project. Um, that became the law of the land. Many states then adopted their own version of Davis-Bacon or mini Davis-Bacon acts. So the federal law applies to anything in construction directly by a federal agency, Corps of Engineers, GSA, National Park Service, Forest Service building a forest road. It also applies to any federally funded project. So if Cook County, Illinois is receiving federal funds and building something, they have to follow the federal Davis-Bacon Act, even if there's not a state law in Illinois, for example. Um, so that uh, now over time, it has, um, there have been a number of problems with Davis-Bacon Act. Number one is the methodology that the Labor Department has used to determine that quote prevailing wage unquote has always been very controversial. Number two, a lot of studies show that the quote prevailing rate as established for a locality by the Labor Department is not really the prevailing market rate, it's the prevailing union rate. And number three, that union scale is much higher than normal, and that inflates the cost of federally financed construction to a point where the Congressional Budget Office, the Government Accountability Office have all recommended repeal of the Davis-Bacon Act, um, but the, no the votes have never been there in Congress um, to repeal it or to reform it in any common sense way. Now, let's go back and look at a couple of the words that I used. Number one, it applies to construction workers. Number two, it applies to, quote, laborers and mechanics, unquote. And I'm quoting directly from the law. From the time the Davis-Bacon Act was enacted in the 30s until the 1960s, there was always a lot of question as to the extent it might apply to members of survey crews. In 1962, a gentleman named Arthur Goldberg was the Secretary of Labor under President John F. Kennedy. Again, if you're a student of history or American politics, you know that Arthur Goldberg, after being Secretary of Labor, ended up becoming a Supreme Court Justice. Secretary Goldberg was asked by some surveying firms to offer an opinion on the extent to which the Davis-Bacon Act applies to members of survey crews. Secretary Goldberg wrote the definitive letter uh, opining of, on that question. And what he said was, that in the normal conduct of a survey related to a construction project, which we now call construction stakeout, that what a member of a survey crew really doesn't meet the definition of a laborer or a mechanic. However, it does, and the Davis-Bacon Act would apply 
to the extent to which the member of a survey crew is, and I'm quoting from Secretary Goldberg, clearing brush or sharpening stakes, unquote, which the secretary said is in itself a rare and minimal activity. Right. In other words, what he said is it doesn't apply. Well, ACSM and NSPS, virtually every decade, every presidential administration since 1962 would go back to the Labor Department, the Wage and Hour Division, which is the agency within the Labor Department that has jurisdiction over this. ACSM and NSPS would go back and say, just want to confirm that's still your opinion. Just want to confirm that's still your opinion. And that has consistently been the opinion of the Labor Department. So that's sort of the, the history of the Davis-Bacon Act and how surveying got involved. And we can talk about where we are today or how we got to where we sure. are today as well. Sure. That's, I mean, I guess that's the next step is, okay, what are they wanting to change? They've come out with this huge document that uh, is, is looking at a lot of things with, with broad strokes. But, uh, you know, obviously, specifically, we're looking at and talking about what we're talking about as far as classifying surveyors as labor. Um, so where do, where can you explain to us where this this proposed rule change is wanting to take surveying? OK, so uh, as I said, um, over uh, incrementally over a period of time, NSPS has reaffirmed um, the Goldberg Doctrine, if I could use that term. Ironically, there have been legal cases in several states where this question has come up. And in those ruling, either administrative rulings or actual judicial rulings, the Goldberg letter has been cited as the standard for the Davis-Bacon Act or a mini Davis-Bacon Act at the state level that sort of reflects the federal law. Um, in... 2013, I believe it was, the Obama administration came out with a memorandum, an AAM or all agency memorandum, in which it said, we are expanding the application of the Davis-Bacon Act to members of survey crews. NSPS was, first of all, blindsided by this because the Wage and Hour Division, again, we have repeatedly visited with that office, had the position of Secretary Goldberg reaffirmed, and out of nowhere, the Obama administration issued this AAM-212. It tremendously expanded the application, but did so in a way that was extraordinarily confusing. We took another number of steps at that time. Number one, we filed the Freedom of Information Act request. And what we found was that the International Operating Engineers Union is who lobbied the Obama Wage and Hour Office to do this. Now, now mind you, there are only a handful of states, New Jersey, Illinois, California, uh, are the three that come to my mind where survey crews are in any way organized uh, under the operating engineers union. Right. So, so the operating engineers represent 
a very, very small fraction, very small percentage of survey workers in America. So I think what they were trying to do by extending Davis-Bacon, they were they going to take that and go on an organizing campaign and get more surveying firms, employees to join the union. Um, what we found was um, the operating engineers um, did one of two things. They either do business very different than private sector surveying firms, or they were very untruthful in what they presented to the Department of Labor. We uncovered a video, which ironically is now not available to the public on YouTube. But at the time they produced a video that claimed to show how members of survey crews are laborers and mechanics. For example, they would have 10 person survey crews. One member of the crew would take an instrument out of the truck and walk it over to the job site. Another person would set up the instrument and on and on and on. Tim, you and I know, I mean, you, you're, you're a licensed practicing surveyor. I've been around this business for 40 years. That's not the way business is done. You can't, right. you can't make money doing that in a private firm. Um, you know, you have one man survey crews today with the robotics and the, right. the instrumentation, the computerization. Um, so that video was very, very deceptive, but the labor department bought it as the gospel truth from the union. Um, we fought long and hard. And in the waning days of the Trump administration, the Trump Labor Department revoked the Obama AAM. Now the Biden administration has put out a new set of rules on implementation of Davis-Bacon. It's more than 400 pages. It is a 50-year wish list of organized labor. In fact, if you read through it, the last major revision to the Davis-Bacon regulations was in 1982 under President Reagan. This proposal that's out now tries to scale back all of the common sense reforms that the Reagan administration put in place in 1982. Sure. Uh, so it is the wish list of organized labor. So what they've done in here is establish a new standard. Again, it's very vague, but they expand the reach of Davis-Bacon to members of survey crews. They don't even mention the Goldberg letter. So they have created out of whole cloth with no precedent, with complete disregard for court rulings, uh, disregard for how the Bureau of Labor Statistics, another agency of the Labor Department, classifies and defines survey technicians, how the federal government classifies survey technicians that are employed by federal agencies. It is a complete um, departure from every standard for our CSTs, our survey crew members, our technicians, um, in, in a way that's very detrimental. Let me, let me make one other point uh, about this rule and this whole issue. 
I've had people say to me, well, well, why are we opposed to higher wages for members of survey crews? Well, we're not. Um, NSPS's position has never been opposed to higher pay. Number one, it's a question of should the market determine what the appropriate pay scale is or should government fiat determine what the appropriate pay scale is? That's number one. Number right. two, should the prevailing wage be set by the broad market or should it be set by the union wages? Number three, um, there's no evidence, there's no data that says that members of survey crews are paid substandard wages. Uh, there's never been a study or, or any evidence that uh, this is a problem. So it's, uh, <laughs> I remember John Eulinger, who was one of your predecessors as the executive director of ACSM, actually was my boss when I worked at ACSM in the 80s. He had a little saying up on his office, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, this is a classic example of something that ain't broke, doesn't need fixing. Finally, and most importantly, Tim, that I think should be of interest to every NSPS member, every licensed surveyor in America. It is demeaning to call the members of survey crews laborers and mechanics. They are anything but that. So much of what they do in the field now is intellectual in nature. It's, judge, it's, it's making judgments. It's not physical labor. Um, yes, you have to go out and you have to do the stakeout. You have to do the measurement, but it's not, you're not digging holes. You're not operating a bulldozer. You're not hammering nails into the side of a building. You're not pouring concrete. You're taking measurements. And so the whole idea that members of survey crews are quote laborers and mechanics is not only inaccurate, but it's demeaning and it's, it, it runs counter to what NSPS has been trying to do throughout its history in elevating the stature and status and image of both licensed surveyors and the extraordinarily valuable technicians that work under the responsible charge of a licensed surveyor. there you have it. There's a few of the, what I feel are the, the most significant clips from the, the podcast over the, over the course of the year, while we've had a bunch of great guests, uh, as much as, you know, this is a good opportunity to go back and look at the, look at our inventory and, and, and pick ones out that may suit you. But, um, no, that last one, a big shout out to John Palatiello, uh, and, uh, and staff at Miller Wendhold, including JB bird, our, our, our federal lobbyist, for the not just the work they did on do on Davis Bacon, the celebration of the the Brooks Act later in the year, but everything else that goes on through the year for helps with our with our lobbying efforts uh, on the Hill and with uh, with everything that's been going on with Legato and all of the other significant bills and issues that have gone on at the federal level. Big thank thank you to to John J B and the staff there. So moving forward, looking at 2023, there are a lot of great things that are coming up uh, for the first of the year and, and well beyond. Uh, the first I'd like to mention, which we'll be talking at more at gr greater length uh, in the coming weeks and months, is basically a, a, a revamp of the, the CST program, the Certified Survey Technician Program. 
the, the CST board has been working very hard on modernization, uh, new ways to take the test as far as uh, computer-based, making it a little more uh, effective, uh, making the questions a little more effective. Uh, bottom line is, you know, there's this fine line between knowing the basics and what's really still relevant in today's uh, very t technologically based uh, advanced world. So they've been going through those questions with a fine tooth comb and really making a lot of them more relevant. So we'll be talking with uh, with the CST board uh, in the coming weeks and months about those advancements and how it's going to help uh, really uh, gauge where our technicians are at and also help uh, promote and encourage uh, young people and, and, and people that are new to the profession to get in, to get certified, that uh, being certified in, in this wonderful profession is uh, is a significant uh, achievement, and that's something we want to try to, to, to keep promoting. A couple other things that are going to be coming up and that we're really looking forward to, uh, again, is not so much just our, our normal spring business meeting in Arlington, but it's going to be the second go-round of the NSPS student competition. This was uh, this was a, we we tried a new format last year, uh, which actually turned out to be a great experience. Uh, day one of the student competition will actually be actually be a monument scavenger hunt throughout D.C., and the second day is uh, a field exercise with with antique equipment and really kind of working through uh, how a lot of these deeds uh, you know were established uh, legal descriptions and such uh, back in the early part of uh, of of the Americas, uh, in the colonies, but not even just so much that it's the experience we're going to be surveying again in Washington, DC. Uh, that alone is, is worth the price of admission. And the students still to this day that we've talked to raved about having that opportunity to being able to, to triangulate, uh, with an old piece of equipment, but backsiding the Washington monument. I mean, that's, that's something that uh, a lot of us, including myself have never done and, uh, actually very jealous of that. So we look forward to that second, uh, second, uh, version of the student competition. That's going to be at the end of March. Hopefully if you're, uh, students, students and, uh, college teams that are out there that are listening have already signed up. Uh, we've got a lot of great interest and in looking forward to that. The next big thing, and I think we'll, we are going to explore this a little bit more because we've tried to talk about it leading up to the end of 2022, but guess what? It's 2023 and we now no longer have, uh, the U S survey foot as the official measurement of, 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 uh, surveyors in the United States, actually just, just, uh, surveying in general. Um, what does that mean to the everyday surveyor? Well, let's be honest. It's not going to mean much. Bottom line is it's a, mo it's a modernization of our standard unit of measurement. Does that mean you can't use, use a U U.S. survey foot in your everyday practice? Of course not. If, if that's what the project is on, that's what it stays on. But for us to modernize, and we'll be talking a lot more about the the uh, the dynamic datums from NGS going forward that will be released in the next several years. It, it all hinges on being on one constant uh, standard of measurement and the international foot. In this case, what our version of that is going to be the foot is going to is going to uh, standardize what we can do as far as this dynamic datum. We'll get into that a little bit further, but just think of it in this way. Uh, Yes, it's still U.S. survey for foot. Yes, we're still going to be able to measure with it. Yes, a lot of the old coordinate systems are still going to be based upon it. 
but it's just like reading reading old deeds. Just because you are no longer measuring in varas or rods or perches or whatever doesn't mean that it's still not viable. It is a still a, a, a unit of measurement. It's just not the official unit of measurement for anything going forward. So let's look, we'll talk to a few industry experts on, on what the deprecation of the foot means and why it, it is so important that we made that change for the future. Not to take away the past, but it is important for the future. And the last big thing I would like to reiterate again, and unfortunately, maybe it's, you know, kind of ad nauseum for a lot of people, is the fact that NSPS is going to be the local host for the uh, FIG Working Week 2023. FIG is the International Society of, of Surveyors uh, that uh, we've NSPS has belonged to for a number of years. Uh, FIG is actually in their 100 and I think their 145th year. And this is going to be the first time that we have hosted this this working week or any kind of, of function on U.S. soil in 20, actually be 21 years by the time we get there. Uh, it'll be taking place in Orlando at the uh, the Bonnet Creek Hilton uh, facility. It's a fantastic uh, hotel, t- actually two hotels, Hilton on one end, Waldorf Astoria on the other with a with a, 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 a magnificent uh, conference space in the middle. Uh, it's happening May 28th through June 1st. Uh, with a golf tournament, uh, the FIG NSPS uh, first first golf tournament we've had in uh, in many many years uh, on on Friday June second, but it's going to be a, an opportunity to meet and rub elbows with surveyors from all around the world, both from academia, both from private, both from public. Uh, I mean, all the above, and it's going to be a, a great experience. And for NSPS to have the opportunity to co-host this and really put some things together, uh, it's one you're not going to want to miss. The exhibit hall is going to be international. It's it's going to be all the the, the, the big names that you know, but it's going to be also be full of of names from around the world that you may not know, but they are making a substantial uh, splash in the surveying and geospatial world um, all around the world. So it it's all 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 encompassing a great opportunity for for surveyors who really want to see that cutting edge that really want to see what's going on uh, in in the surveying and geospatial world. Um, it's going to be a, a, a week you really can't miss. So uh, if you get a chance, go to fig.org and, and check it out. Go to uh, go to our website nsps.us.com. We've got links to the working week there as well, uh, but go ahead and, and you know really take a good hard look at it because it is going to be uh, realistically a once in a generation opportunity, and uh, we'd really like to see a lot of people there. Well, like I said, looking back over the last over the last twelve months uh, with with my transition into this role as executive director and all of the things that are going on, we're really seeing uh, an uptick in in surveying in geospatial in the interest of surveying. And we hope you are too. And uh, we're going to keep uh, trying to get some, uh, get more and more uh, interesting and exciting guests uh, for the podcast and some other things. We're going to see some more video uh, offerings and some more social media um, exposure in, in the coming coming year. So uh, please pay attention to what we're doing. We've got a lot of great things going on. Bookmark us wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts. Keep us up uh, in mind at all your social media. And including, I think, like I've always, 
kind of keep saying I don't want to see surveyors on TikTok. Well, I don't want to see them dancing on TikTok. If we've got useful information, well, we'll see what we can do. So uh, we're looking to expand our footprint in social media as well. So if you have any questions, always feel free to uh, to, to contact us at, at uh, info at nsps.us.com. And I guess we'll just leave it at that. You know what? We're, we're wrapped up 22, a successful 22. We look forward to a great 23. So we wish all of you a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year. Be safe out there. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.